Listener Production. Quick heads up, some people swear in this episode. One of them is me. Sorry, Nana. I'm here to see George Brackdell. I'm at a nursing home. Yeah, again. This one's in the inner suburbs of Canberra. Security is way tighter than I expected. I called last week and I was told that it would be okay. The receptionist asked me a bunch of questions. Journalist, yes. I've worked my way in to meet a man named George Brownbill. I've got some biscuits, just in time for afternoon tea. At three o'clock, which is soon, they'll come round with some tea or coffee. Oh, lovely. So you might might want to wait. We sit down in the courtyard. He's wearing a green polo and slippers. Brown Bill's happy to see me, but cautious. Now, I know a lot of things that it's my duty to keep secret. Indeed. And I can't possibly be cute or coy or sort of kind of help you. You you need to understand all that. I do. So, look, I'm not going to be aggressively rude or unpleasant to you, but I'm not going to... Oh, the tea's coming. Yeah. Oh. Do you want want tea or or coffee? Uh, What are you having? I'm having black coffee, but... Oh, yeah, I'll I'll repeat it. Thank you so much. Done. All right. Thank you. Thanks, mate. In the last episode on my trip to Woomera, I learned that during the Cold War, Australia was testing weapons in the middle of the desert and had access to secrets from its allies like the US and the UK. It's likely this is why Australia and ASIO became a target for the KGB. Now that I knew the why, I needed to try it and learn the how. I wanted to try and understand what was going on inside ASIO that made it vulnerable to being infiltrated. That's why I've come to speak to George Brownbill. I don't think this will ever cease to be a problem for me until I'm dead. Brownbill spent his working life as a public servant, and he was part of an investigation that pulled ASIO apart and unearthed a toxic culture that thrived for decades. It was really disgraceful what ASIO got up to. I'm Joey Watson, and this is Secrets We Keep, Nest of Traitors. The investigation George Brownbill worked on was a royal commission. These are highly resourced investigations called by the government that can force witnesses to give evidence and can go on for years. Royal commissions don't come out of nowhere. I'm going to have to briefly explain how this one came about. It starts with the Vietnam War. It's the 1960s. 
Australia's conscripting 20-year-old men at random and sending them to fight communists in the jungles of Vietnam. Protests start forming around the country, led by uni students. Soon mothers, working and middle-class Australians would join, opposing Australia's involvement in the war. These protests became the basis for a new political movement that focused on social justice issues like Aboriginal land rights and women's liberation. The spies in charge of ASIO look at these protesters in Australia and see a threat to national security. The theory is, if Australia pulls out of the Vietnam War, there's nothing stopping communism spreading through Southeast Asia, arriving on Australia's shores. And ASIO thinks the protest movement looks a lot like a communist conspiracy, under the influence of the Soviet Union. So they start spying on protesters, private lives, their families, even who they're sleeping with. And that wasn't all. Some ASIO spies provided material to journalists and politicians to discredit protesters. This comes to a head in 1974, when a secret ASIO report on the Deputy Prime Minister, Jim Cairns, appears on the front page of a prominent magazine. Cairns is seen as a leader of the protests. He used to give speeches saying things like this. The obsessive anti-communism of the Cold War crusade has had a damaging influence in Australia. It has bolstered orthodoxy and intolerance, which have waged war against the spirit of freedom, diversity and reason that should flourish in a vigorous and healthy democracy. In other words, Australia's fixation with fighting communism, not a vibe. In the leaked report, ASIO accuses Cairns of being a communist conspiracist, working to overthrow Australia's democracy. This triggers Prime Minister Gough Whitlam, who was already pretty sus on ASIO, to call a royal commission to investigate all of Australia's intelligence services. Now you're up to speed. And yeah, I've raced through about 10 years of lead up in about two minutes. But that's the gist of how this royal commission started. I'm here at this nursing home having a cup of coffee and some bickies with George Brownbill to understand what happened next. It's very controversial. Right. With the intelligence community. They didn't like it. In August 1974, a judge called Justice Robert Hope was appointed to head the Royal Commission with George Brownbill as his secretary. They set up an office for the Royal Commission in Canberra's East Block building near Parliament House. Brownbill says he took extreme precautions to keep the office secure. ASIO installed a laser system so that intruders who wanted to come through the ceiling would have to go through the laser and would break the connection. From what I can gather, this was a motion detection system, not the sort of red lasers you can navigate through in a cat suit. These beams were invisible. Brownbill didn't trust ASIO, so he asked Australia's overseas spy agency, ASIS, to set up a second laser system. 
to put another one in in front of it so that if ASIO were coming in, they wouldn't know and they'd go through the second one. And that actually happened. Really? Oh, yes. Really? There was an incident? Well, I'm, I'm not that dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so there you are. Brownbill can definitely tell that I'm digging for information. ASIO was obviously a major focus for the Royal Commission's investigation. However, in the beginning, ASIO's management didn't make it easy. They were just slow in answering questions. They were very cute in the answers and, and they weren't saying the truth or the whole truth or sometimes any of the truth. I still wonder how much of it was resistance and how much was just dumb incompetence. The commissioners had to find another way in. There were many of the younger, smarter officers who sidled up to me or the judge. They saw it as the first time ever that they could call it out like it was. Brownbill says the younger officers were the key to understanding how bad things at ASIO had become. They were commanded by a mob of ex-coppers and Cold War warriors. Cold War warriors. In other words, old spies, many ex-military or ex-police who were stuck in their ways and had spent decades trying to weed out communists. Through the younger spies, Brownbill learnt that ASIO had fallen under a military-style management. Classified security files were poorly managed, morale was low, there was favouritism, and spies were victimised if they made mistakes. Brownbill also found a drinking culture that had gotten out of hand. He told me a story about ASIO's longest-serving director-general, Charles Spry. He'd get the officers, so-called senior officers, in from four o'clock in the afternoon and they'd have to drink whiskey with him till they were all drunk. And that was every day. You can't do your job as an intelligence agency like that. The Commission also learned that many operations ASIO carried out against the Soviets came to sudden and inexplicable ends. And when they did fail, there was no system to look at what went wrong and if there were signs of betrayal. It was a very non-functional organisation. It was full of false starts and poor management and wrong turnings. They had no process for defining targets or identifying targets. The operations that they ran almost always failed. I mean, if you're not able to spy on people, what sort of fucking intelligence agency are you? I've been told about a lot of failed ASIO operations over the years like when ASIO installed a listening device in the Soviet embassy in Canberra. When the device was turned on in 1960, it was left active for months. ASIO could hear every cough, splutter and pen scratch made by the Soviet official they were targeting, but no words. 
Maybe the KGB spy was just an introvert. Maybe the Soviets found the bug. Or maybe it was something else. Like there was a mole inside ASIO telling the Soviets what was going on. There was certainly widespread speculation among the staff. It was common gossip among the the 30-something officers who related to me because I was 30-something myself. They believed that the organisation had been penetrated and that it was somehow the fault of senior management. Could I try my luck and ask about the um, interviews with foreign intelligence agencies during the commission? This is, this is delicate territory. We arrived in Washington, then in Canada, then in England. We were received at the highest levels. We met the vice president and we met the prime minister of England, the vice chancellor of Germany. Everywhere we went, the counterparts had said, talk to the judge and Brownville because they're good guys and they're our last hope to get something good out of the intelligence mess in Australia. There had been suspicions in overseas intelligence agency that ASIO may have been penetrated. Yes, everywhere. Whether it was an outside agent who'd recruited someone, or whether it was an inside agent who'd been compromised in some way. The Royal Commission delivered eight reports on Australia's intelligence services. The fourth report is on ASIO. However, there's no mention of moles at all. Am I, am I telling you what you want to know? It's, it's everything is interesting at this stage. And that's when I ask about the secret supplement. One of the most interest is the supplement to the fourth report. Exactly, the annex as I call it. The secret supplement was created by the Royal Commission to deal with its most sensitive findings. It was separate to the main reports and at the time was only meant to be seen by a few people. They had serious concerns that ASIO may have been penetrated. Before I came to speak to Brownville, I'd managed to get a copy of it from the National Archives in Canberra, which by this stage is becoming my second home. Well, that's never been published. No, it has. And it, has it? Yeah, but it's redacted. It'd be heavily redacted. Well, it makes clear that you and Mr Hope had spoken to ASIO officers and amongst the many complaints that they had made was that the organisation may be penetrated. Yes. Uh, yes, it's true. Never found, by the way. So there were various names. I, I know the, all the names. Mm. But one of them... Oh, no, I'd better not say... All the so-called leads turned out to be illusory. Mm. 
Well, you made it clear that it wasn't the prerogative of the commission to hunt for morals. No, but it was recommended that the government should direct ASIO to perform a proper counterintelligence and counterespionage role. The report was saying, investigate your mole problem. You see, they'd been so busy fighting reds under the bed that they didn't do their own fucking job. It really was a fucking mess. So there we are. I tried to go further with Brown Bill. He resisted my questions and began to look uncomfortable. I'm wondering if you're an Ashon provocateur because you know all the stories. <laughs> Who do you think I'd be representing? Being you get to be cautious in this business. Yeah. Because what looks innocent is almost always guilty and what looks guilty is almost always innocent. It's clear that this was sensitive, so I decided to leave it there. Brown Bill's retired now, and it seemed unfair to push him any further. Oh, uh, wait. Is, it, is that referring to section F of this? I couldn't talk to George Brown Bill about the secret supplement. I'm not sure. So I wanted to see what my editor, Claire Weaver, made of it. There is an F. And is it redacted or is it fully...? Um... On the front page, it says top secret, limited access. The above list will suffice to show that until quite recently, ASIO could not be taken seriously. <laughs> I know, it's like crazy language for a government yeah, before, right? right? Sounds like a basket case. Yeah. <laughs> the secret supplement says, and I'll read from it, until quite recently, ASIO could not be taken seriously as an efficient organisation, still less an effective security organisation. ASIO may be or may have been penetrated by a hostile intelligence agency that has succeeded in making the organisation ineffective. The question of penetration, the secret supplement says, needs answering. Where are we up to? Oh, wait. Yeah, the, the continued diversion from espionage investigations to counter-subversion. So that's exactly what we're talking about. But it's but they've actually redacted that bit. Mm. So it's that, that instead of, like, looking for spies, they've been focusing on counter-subversion, as in, like, the protesters. Yeah. The leaks, disclosures, and other revelations about ASIO may simply be a measure of its poor morale, but they could also have been engineered or manipulated in an effort to neutralise ASIO. to neutralise ASIO. The secret supplement is suggesting here that the mole problem could have had something to do with so many of ASIO's spy operations failing, like they were foiling them from the inside. And if you read between the redactions, there's an implication that ASIO's obsession with spying on protesters swallowed up resources that could have been deployed to protecting the spy agency from moles. When you first told me about this story, I remember thinking, wow, like, amazing. 
that these moles could get in there in the first place. Because you think, I mean, an intelligence agency like, like ASIO, like how, how would they pass all the checks that must be done and operate day to day in that kind of environment? But obviously, from reading this report, the organisation sounds like a shambles and they're focusing all their energy on the left wing and not actually doing their job properly. It was the perfect environment for, for these moles to flourish and be able to do all this work while everyone's looking in exactly the wrong direction and morale is low and they have no resources. It's, it's the perfect storm. Reading the Royal Commission's report and the secret supplement, it looked to me like ASIO had made itself vulnerable to penetration. The older spies, or Cold War warriors, were directing the agency to spy on protesters instead of weeding out Soviet spies in Australia and possibly within ASIO itself. And maybe the moles were the reason why so many ASIO spy operations during the Cold War failed. Brownville told me it was the young officers who were concerned that one of their colleagues had been turned by the KGB. I tracked down one of these young officers. It was becoming clear that we had a problem. We had a brick wall problem. I've disguised his voice to protect his identity. And I think that was a general view of certainly the younger people who were very concerned about those brick walls, very concerned. This is the secret security supplement, which was separate, had a separate distribution to the main report, but only really to five people, the Governor General, the Prime Minister, um, the Secretary of the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. So what are you doing with it? Yeah. <laughs> it was the, these were all declassified in 2008. So it's fortunately, um, both I and the National Archives and ASIO believe this is legitimate. Oh, democracy is a wonderful thing, isn't it? I read through the secret supplement with him. And then we get to the part about penetration. The report then recommends that ASIO resource itself to investigate its mole question, right? Mm. What, what? What a good idea. <laughs> well, what, what happened? Nothing. As far as I'm concerned, nothing. Why did nothing happen? I don't know. I really don't know because that was a recommendation. Why wasn't ASIO resourcing themselves to find these people? Well, there were investigations, but investigations implies that you get to the nub of the matter and you resolve an issue. So, in a sense, those investigations or inquiries or whatever, and I can't get too specific on this, wasn't resolved at the time, but who else? What about the rest of the network? What about all those files that went missing? What about all those questions? Have they been asked and investigated or have we drawn a line and moved on in another direction maybe that we don't, we shouldn't be? So, again, it's, it's an open book, isn't it? Wilderness of mirrors with an open book. The young officer is telling me that the Royal Commission recommended ASIO investigate itself. ASIO started doing this, but these internal mole hunts to the young officer at least, looked like they didn't go anywhere. The worst culture in the organisation from my experience, without giving too much away, occurred later. And I'm hoping, I assume, it's been corrected. But uh, the culture changed 
but it didn't necessarily change for the better. It got worse later on. Because by the mid-80s, so many medals were being awarded to so many KGB officers that clearly they were so far on top of the game that uh, we weren't even in the game by that point, by the mid-80s. Wow, unbelievable. It's unthinkable, really. In the 1980s, Cold War tensions between the Soviet Union and the West were flaring. Some historians have argued that this was the closest the world got to nuclear war. US President Ronald Reagan was giving speeches saying things like this. Let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. If there was ever a time for ASIO to do its job, it was now. Look, there was increased resourcing. New people were brought in, some very good people were brought in, I have to tell you. But when you start behind the eight ball, you're not going to get in front of it in a hurry. I spoke to other young officers about what ASIO was like after the Royal Commission. One who didn't want to be interviewed told me a story that shocked me. The young officer said they'd been conducting a review that required them to access some sensitive ASIO files stored at ASIO's headquarters. They noticed that spies from across ASIO were accessing files that had nothing to do with their work. This young officer suspected that if there was a mole in ASIO at the time, they could have had access to anything. When they questioned a senior officer about why these files were being accessed by spies who'd had no reason to see them, the young officer was told that if they wanted to have a long and happy career, they shouldn't be asking questions. After this, the young officer quit ASIO. I needed to find out why ASIO's efforts to find its mole or moles seemed to come up with nothing. So I went directly to ASIO. In my experience, ASIO almost never gives comment to journalists. However, I did my due diligence and presented them with all the claims I've made in my investigations so far. I actually did hear back. Good afternoon, Joey. Thank you for your questions. You will appreciate that ASIO cannot provide detailed comment about what may or may not have occurred several decades ago, particularly given the sensitive and classified nature of those matters. They said the following statement could be attributed to an ASIO spokeswoman. Similar speculation about historical matters relating to the alleged Russian penetration of ASIO has been raised many times over the decades. The claims and speculation regarding these matters have been investigated internally, closely examined 30 years ago through an independent process, and canvassed publicly through the official history of ASIO. ASIO takes these matters of security extremely seriously. The claims of compromise were robustly and comprehensively investigated, resulting in the arrest of George Sedil. Regards. The arrest of George Sedil? That's a strange thing to say. When Sedil's case came before the court, there wasn't enough evidence to prove he was a mole. I also think the choice of words, claims and speculation are interesting. I looked at the official history the ASIO spokeswoman referred me to and read, penetrating Australia's intelligence agencies was one of the KGB objectives. It now appears evident 
that they succeeded. So if we want to go off the official history, which ASIO is pointing me to, there was at least one mole. I felt like I was going around in circles. I wasn't getting any closer to finding the identities of any moles. It's more than three decades since the Cold War ended. The leads are drying up and I'm worried any moles I might find will be dead, taking their secrets to the grave. My mole hunt, to paraphrase George Brownbill, is a real fucking mess. And then a source who I've been emailing back and forth for nearly a year and who spent decades obsessing over the KGB penetration of ASIO is ready to meet in person. Confirm meeting 12 precisely. Meet at 80 Burke Street. You'll carry the day's newspaper in your right hand. I will be on the back seat and table to meet and brief. You'll meet me, the orchids and the wonder cat. That's the next episode of Secrets We Keep, Nest of Traitors. If you're enjoying The Mole Hunt, I would love if you could leave a rating and a review and please share it around. This is an active investigation and you never know where information might come from. Also, maybe your friends will like it. Subscribe and follow Secrets We Keep to stay up to date. And if you want more Nest of Traders, check out our YouTube series, Nest of Traders Declassified, where we chat about the stuff that's in the series and some of the stuff that didn't make the cut. There's a video for every episode. Secrets We Keep, Nest of Traders is created and hosted by me, Joey Watson. Our supervising producer is Jake Morecambe, executive producer Ellen Liebeter, sound design by Niall Fernandez. Bentian Siebert, Alastair Kirkby and Bonnie Lavelle did fact-checking and Matt Nikolic made the theme song archive from the National Library of Australia and the State Library of South Australia. This podcast episode was recorded on Gadigal and Ngunnawal land, and I'd like to pay respects to elders past and present.